You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now you're making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Will Brandon Nimmo price himself out of Queens? That's what we're discussing on the show today in the first segment. We'll go through what was a career year for him in 2022. In the second segment, how does he stack up to the other free agents that are out there and what will that dictate for his price tag? Could he be looking at George Springer money? We'll go through that. Then to close out the show, what do you do without Nemo? Is there any alternative that's attractive outside of the pipe dream that is Aaron Judge? I'll go through it before we get to any of that, though. I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, Follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, Brandon Nemo is going to be a free agent. On the last couple of shows, we discussed Jacob deGrom and his free agency, Edwin Diaz and his, and here we are with Brandon Nemo. These are the three guys that the Mets have to discuss contracts with this offseason because without them, I mean, you're taking a, a massive step back as a franchise, yet... If you pay all three, do you have any room to improve this team elsewhere? So you're in this give and take where you got to decide which one of these guys stays, which one goes. And as much as I've argued for Jacob deGrom getting re-signed, as much as Edwin Diaz feels like an inevitability that he'll be re-signed, how are we not looking at the 5F4 center fielder and saying, yeah, maybe the Mets should, should keep that guy? <laughs> I mean... He had an unbelievable season. I mean, you look at the numbers for Brandon Nimmo this year, a 274 average, 367 on base, 433 slugging, a 134 WRC plus. WRC plus, again, measures hitters based on a league average of 100. So at 134, he was 34% better than your league average hitter. He scored 102 runs, first time in his career that he crossed the century mark there. 64 RBIs, also a career high. He had 16 home runs that was one off. His total from 2018 and 140 games played uh, for a career high. But, I mean, the big thing was he played 151 games. I mean, he stayed healthy for the first time since that season in 2018. And we saw the value of that. And on top of it, he was a great defensive center fielder. I mean, you want to look at defensive runs saved. He had a strong season out in the outfield. Uh, I mean, well, actually, I, I spoke a little too soon. I thought he had a strong season. Minus three defensive runs saved, but he's still graded out on Fangrass defensive metrics as a positive defender, just slightly above. But then you go to outs above average, which is, you know, the defensive stat that I trust a little bit more from baseball savant. And he was in, for one, the 91st percentile among all fielders, six outs above average out in center. Uh, His outfielder jump still isn't great in the 35th percentile, but he leverages his speed in the 84th percentile. Um, And he has a good arm, apparently, according to this, although we've seen otherwise, but his arm strength, according to Baseball Savant, was in the 72nd percentile. Uh, Maybe that's just playing as opposed to center fielders. But overall, I mean, we watched it throughout the season. He 
was getting way better jumps than we had seen previously, whether he's just positioned the right place or if it's just the, the timeout in center field, he's now got enough reps out there that he's turned himself into a quality defensive center fielder. We remember, you know, the big catch he made in that game against the Dodgers, I believe, right? That saved a game. And, uh, you know, the value that he brings to you is immense. But here's the issue I have with Brandon Immo. It's the fact that his skill set replicates the two other guys in this outfield maybe a little bit too much. But if he does it better than both of them, then where are we? Because, you know, you look at Starling Marte and, you know, he had a little bit better uh, offensive season based on average, but then you go to on base percentage and Nimmo's 20% higher. And you look at runs scored, Nimmo, uh, you know, scored an additional, uh, what is that, 26 runs. Uh, he drove in an extra run. Now he did it in an extra 170 plate appearances, give or take. So I think Marte is still the better player, but uh, you know it's pretty close. And, and F4 would tell us that Nimmo was uh, you know two wins better than Marte. Granted, that was with the additional playing time. But uh, I look at what you have in this outfield, and Mark Canna is basically a discount bin version of Brandon Nimmo. And so now you got him out in left field. You got Marte in right and. If you lose Nemo, what do you do in center? I think Starling Marte does give you the flexibility to shop in the corner outfield market if you can't bring Nemo back. But you're in, you're in between a rock and a hard place here, and that's why ultimately it is a priority to bring Nemo back. But the question is, if you do bring Nemo back, how much money is he going to make here? I mean, that is a big concern because are you comfortable playing paying Brandon Nemo? north of $25 million or at $25 million over a long-term deal when he did prove to be healthy this year. And I think moving forward, there's every reason to believe he will be healthy at the same time. How willing are you to gamble on that over six years? That's the question. And we'll discuss that in just a minute. Before we do though, betonline.net is your number one source for all of your football betting info this season. Finally, latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. How much money is Brandon Nemo going to make this offseason as a free agent? Well, he's hitting the market at the right time off of a career year. He's 29 years old, will turn 30 in March next season. And you look at the other center fielders on the market, you got Kevin Kiermeyer, and that's it. Okay. Now, I'm being a, a little bit um, hyperbolic there, but, uh, you know, Kevin Kiermeyer is a good defensive center fielder, has a club option, and considering they were giving him a tribute video before the final home game of the regular season, I would imagine he'll be a free agent. But other than that, for center fielders in free agency, you're looking at Dubal Herrera, Lorenzo Kane, Kevin Pillar, Jake Marisnik, Delano DeShields, Travis Jankowski, Billy Hamilton, Shogo Akiyama, and Jackie Bradley Jr., a mutual option on him. None of those guys are starters. You look at 
the corner outfield market. Not a lot there either. So, I mean, obviously Aaron Judge is the huge one. Mitch Haniger is an interesting name. Uh, you know, Jock Peterson and Adam Duvall are out there. Joey Gallo, if you want to take a flyer on him, or Andrew Benintendi. None of these guys really entice me the way that a Brandon Nimmo does. So he really is, I mean, outside of Aaron Judge, he's the best outfielder on the market, and he's the best natural center fielder. So what does that command? I mean, look, you are checking out all the outfielders around baseball this past season, and here are the list of guys who are strictly outfielders who had a better season based on that four than Brandon Nimmo. Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts. That's the list. Above him, you have Jeff McNeil, who we know, outfield, infield, and Jordan Alvarez is a DH. So, I mean, based on Fangrass wins above replacement, you're talking about a top three outfielder in all of baseball. He had a better F4 than Julio Rodriguez, Kyle Tucker, George Springer, um, and more. And speaking of George Springer, that's the contract I look at when it comes to Brandon Nemo. I think he's in line to ask for and to receive the George Springer deal. That's a six-year contract worth $150 million, $25 million a year. Now, that would take him you know, all the way through his age, what, 36 season? Age 35, maybe 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. So his age 35 season, his age 30 through age 35. Um, and how much longer is he going to play center field with that? I think he's a good enough athlete. He can stick out there, let's just say, uh, until the Marte contract was up for the next three years. And then maybe you move him into a corner and left. But it's it's interesting. It's it's a tough question to answer because when I think about the Mets next season without Brandon Nimmo, the options aren't great. When I think about paying Brandon Nimmo $25 million a year over six years, I don't know if that's the best use of resources. I mean, if you had to tell me which one, you have to lose one, Brandon Nimmo or Jacob deGrom, that's another con- conversation that I'm struggling to find answers to, but I think I'd still lean towards the insane ceiling of a DeGrom in a playoff setting over a Brandon Nimmo, but then you have to find some way to replace him. And it's not easy to replace a 5F4 center fielder. Again, I tell you, based on F4, the third best outfielder behind Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts this season. That's insanity. Now, Granted, Mookie Betts had a 6.6 F4, so he was a full win better, um, you know, 1.2 better. And, I mean, Judge doubled him. And I, I guess that is the answer. How about you let Nimmo and DeGrom walk and you sign there a judge and everyone's happy? I mean, that that could still be on the table. I mean, the, the fact that Judge is a free agent uh, is obviously enticing. But why the hell would the Yankees not pony up to, to pay for this guy? Uh, and why would he not want to stay, assuming the Yankees match any offer that's out there? I think that Steve Cohen could certainly you know, push the envelope a little bit there. But if you flirt too heavy with Judge, you might miss out on Nimmo, DeGrom, and you could be left you know, holding a bag there. So it's tough. It's a tough decision that the Mets have here. And I think that you get to a point where... You have to hope that maybe if, if you talk to Nimmo early enough, you can get him to sign a reasonable deal. But I, I don't know what that looks like. I, I don't know what's more reasonable. Because if you're Nimmo, again, you're looking at the market. 
There's no reason. And he's got Scott Boris as his agent now, too. It's not like Nimmo has some, you know, mom and pop agent from Wyoming that was a family friend that loves that he's a Met. I mean, this is Scott Boris looking at his client, new client, but still, who just put up the best season of his career where he played 151 games. And he's going to look at everything I just said, and he's going to look at every single team in baseball that needs a center fielder and say, well, he was the best center fielder in baseball this year. I mean, unless you call Aaron Judge a center fielder, and Mookie Betts is playing right, based on Fangraph's wins above replacement, dude was the best center fielder in baseball. That's a crazy statement. Uh, We know there's other guys out there, like a Byron Buxton, who if he's healthy and he's out there all the time, you know, I think you'd like a Byron Buxton more. I think you look at Julio Rodriguez and his immense potential. And there's a lot of guys out there that I'd probably take over Nemo as, uh, you know, the best center fielder. But in 2022, that's what he produced for the New York Mets. So the question is, if not Nemo, who? What could you do to solve this problem? Um, you know, and is the best solution sliding Marte into center? And also, where do you get the power? And so that's what we'll discuss next here, but after a quick word from our sponsors. What will the Mets do if Brandon Emma walks to another team? And look, his list of suitors could be endless. I mean, who doesn't need a center fielder? If you're the Miami Marlins and, and you're trying to put your team on the map, wouldn't you try to consider going out and getting a Brandon Nemo? Now, do they have $150 million to spend? I don't know. Um, but it's a possibility. Uh, if you are, it really doesn't matter. Pick a team that needs an outfielder. You know, if you're the Phillies and you weren't too excited with some of the production you got this year, out of your Castellanos's, and uh, you don't necessarily think Brandon Marsh is the answer long-term. I don't know. Would they go after him? Would, I don't know, Detroit or Kansas City? I don't know. Any team that needs an outfielder. And this is just me just throwing names out there of teams. But regardless, I, I would think that there's going to be a pretty healthy market for Nemo, and he could price himself out of Queens. And if he does, what do you do? I floated this idea out on Twitter because, look, I'm a nostalgic for old Mets. Look, I'm still wearing the Dom Bomb shirt. Um, not that I think Dom would be a center fielder. Good God, no. Uh, but there's another guy that I think could slot right back into a familiar place in right field who is pretty high up in a lot of Mets leaderboards, and that's Michael Conforto. What would you all think <laughs> of Michael Conforto being in a Mets uniform again? Let hear it in the comment section on YouTube. I'm sure that there is a ton of fans who just love the idea of Michael Conforto coming back. But let me tell you something. It makes a lot more sense than you'd probably think because, you know, the contract, he's not going to get paid big time. If Nimmo were to find a deal elsewhere, if Conforto's market wasn't materializing, you could look at him and say, all right, what could we get if we bring him back? What type of contract? If he has a clear path to playing time, would he want to come back? And what does he bring that you don't have in the outfield right now? He brings power. Michael Conforto can hit home runs. Now, I know you say that he wasn't what you thought he was going to be. We thought he was going to be David Wright. He didn't end up being David Wright. Well, 
Look, 2019, he still hit 33 home runs, and he hit over 25 three years in a row from 2017 through 2019. 27, 28, and 33. Uh, You know, in a terrible season for him, he still hit 14 bombs in 125 games in 2021. I think that there's a lot of um, opportunity for Michael Conforto to outplay a contract, and that's why I'd be interested in a reunion here. It still leaves you a little bit thin. I feel like if you get Conforto, you still have to do more to address that outfield. Uh, but I, I do see an outfield with Conforto and right, Marte in center and Canna in left that, that could get by. I think the bigger problem you have overall is you have this um, you know, this combination of outfielders currently that just don't give you pop. And really, it's just the lineup in general. I think this is an issue the Mets have to address this offseason. How do you get more home runs in the lineup? Now, Francisco Alvarez could potentially help you by adding a lot more homers than you were getting from the catcher position. But that's a big gamble. Brett Beatty, I think, has a good chance to steal that third base job from Eduardo Escobar, but he's not necessarily going to hit more home runs. I think he does have more power, or or at least, you know, um, I I think he's a better hitter than Eduardo Escobar. He will be next season where you're going to see a lot of doubles from Brett Beatty. He's going to hit the ball really hard, and he could tap into that pop and maybe get you 25 home runs. But Escobar hit 20 for you this year. So it doesn't necessarily move the needle too much. And, you know, where else are you moving guys off? You got, you know, McNeil and Lindor. They're your your double play combination. Pete Alonso is the only one packing power. And then in the outfield, you're not going to get a ton of home runs from Starling Marte and Mark Hanna. And if you bring Nemo back, you're in the same situation. So how do you get pop back into the lineup? Conforto's an option. Jock Peterson's an option. You want to get crazy with Joey Gallo. That is an option that I don't love, but hey, we'll throw it out there. A Joey Gallo, Mark Canna platoon in left field, um, I guess couldn't be too bad. Uh, you know, and then maybe you, you still bring Nimmo back. I don't know how much money a Gallo makes. It's just, it's slim pickings. You know, then you look at the trade market. Who could you bring in? It, it's so tough. Yeah. Maybe the Mets go out and they, they trade for Shohei Otani. That's a fun podcast for the future, but it's not a realistic one. When you're looking at all the options in front of you, I do still believe that the best one is to bring Nemo back and then maybe it's get Jock Peterson, right? And try to have Jock Peterson out in left field, you know, splitting time with Canna. Maybe that makes sense uh, to try to get a little more juice in that lineup. But the Mets are in this position where you look at DH, Vogelback, Vientos, is that what they're going with next year? And how much power is that going to provide? Uh, you know, and again, there's just not a lot of positions where they don't have a starter currently that you could really upgrade and bring that pop in. I mean, Aaron Judge is the one guy that would transform this team. And in a lot of respects, you could say that that should be if Steve Cohen wants to circle a single free agent, including his own guys, and do anything he could to sign him, theoretically that would be the guy. But again, we don't even know if he's going to be available. So I really don't know what they do with Brandon Nemo. I mean, when I did that podcast to kick off the week, you know, who had just played their last game in a Mets uniform, I said I was at 50-50 with Nemo where I just don't know. And I think I'm still there. Maybe I'm leaning a little bit more towards him leaving simply based on all of the money the Mets had to spend this offseason and what he might command elsewhere. 
But again, you're not looking at a lot of attractive options. And I mean, you look at the Mets minor leagues, and yeah, Jake Mangum, I think, factors into the outfield mix this season, but it's more as a fourth outfielder, and Alex Ramirez is still far away. So there's just not an answer um, outside of either bringing Nemo back or making a trade or bringing in one of these guys that's kind of flawed players, whether it is a Conforto, a Peterson. Um, it's just slim pickings. I guess the only other thing you could do is lean into defense and get Kevin Kiermaier, but it certainly doesn't make you a better baseball team than you were at the end of this season with Brandon Nimmo as your starting center fielder, who, I mean, probably still plays a better center now, or at least a comparable one to what is providing when he's in his mid-30s. So, yes, this is a tough one, um, a really tough one. I'll be fascinated to see what the Mets do, um, but we got a long offseason to figure all that out. So, as always, Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show, at Locked on Mets. Thank you for making Locked on Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked on MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Locked on MLB is where you want to go to stay today with everything going on in Major League Baseball. Follow Locked on MLB wherever you get podcasts.